You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. We're currently in a teaching series called Ask Anything. Each of us carry questions, doubts, and uncertainty that emerge from the current culture and from living in a broken world. In this series, we are looking at what God's Word says about some of the questions we face as followers of Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, good morning, Harvest. I hope that you're having an amazing day already, and it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And so whether you're here in Elgin or any of our campuses, we're really, really grateful that we have the opportunity to gather together, that we can get our eyes fixed on the Lord. And uh, I hope you have a copy of God's word in front of you. We're going to get our eyes fixed on that because it's what uh, the Lord uses to accomplish his purposes in our lives. And we hope that that's true for us today. You know, we've been continuing in this series, Ask Anything. Uh, we've taken a lot of questions, and I want to be uh, very efficient today. So I'm going to cover a couple of these. Um, uh, are you sure that JT is old enough to be a pastor? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, why do you have to be named Jeff or John to work at Harvest? <laughs> no idea. Uh, are aliens real? Sure, why not? I don't know. Maybe we'll address these and some others uh, in a podcast or something like that. Uh, But we're not actually going to be focusing on any of those today. We're going to be talking about uh, prayer. We're going to be talking about something that's very important to us. We have it plastered on our walls at each of our campuses. It's something that each of us as believers know that it's it's important for us to do. It's, It's significant for us. But I think we have a lot of questions about it. You know, the world would say, you know, I'm sending you thoughts and prayers, which essentially means like positive thoughts are like headed towards you. Is that really all that prayer is? Because, you know, studies have actually been done for people who don't even believe in God. And if they spend time praying, it actually helps their emotional well-being. So is that all that there is? Is it just for us to feel better in the moment, to to be sort of a therapeutic moment for each one of us so that I can calm my anxieties? Is is that really all that prayer is? No. Just wanted to tell you at the very beginning, no. That's not all that prayer is. And before we go further, let's take a moment right now and pray to the Lord to ask his blessing. Father, we're grateful for an opportunity to gather. We're grateful for the blessing that we have, the privilege that we have to be able to come to you boldly in prayer as you call us to. And so, God, we're crying out right now, asking for you to work in this moment and in each of these houses of worship as we gather. Would you do your work in our midst, in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives this week? as a result of our time together in your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So what exactly is prayer? Prayer is simply communication with God. It's personal communion with God. It's talking with God. It's not thinking about spiritual things. It's not processing the things that are going on in my life, in my mind. It's not even talking to myself out loud, which I do, Maybe it's just me. It's talking to God specifically about things. It's not Eastern meditation sort of thing where where I try to empty my mind of all of the things going on and I'm just trying to calm myself. It's not any of those things. It's talking to God, speaking directly to God and listening from him. Jeremiah 33.3 would say, call to me 
and I will answer you and show you great and hidden things that you have not known. God Almighty says, call to me and I will answer you. That's what prayer is. He wants us to communicate with him. He wants us to pray to him. God desires that from us. There's no should I pray in the Bible. In fact, there's not even really a how often should we pray. I mean, there, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says pray continually. So we're to be in a continual pattern of it, that we're going to be constant communication with God. But, but there isn't like a, it's got to be at 4.30 in the morning and, and it has to be for at least 20 minutes or it doesn't count. So please, at 4.30 tomorrow morning, while I'm sleeping, feel free to get up and spend 20 minutes. That, that's fine. That, those are all things that, that we've decided are helpful for us. And, and maybe some of those things will be helpful to you. Maybe it will be helpful to you to, to get up tomorrow morning at 4.30 while the rest of us are sleeping and, and spend some time praying. That, that's great. But that's all things, those are all things that we've added. None of those are prescribed in Scripture. And we've created tons of books and tools to help us with our prayer. We've created the acronym ACTS, you know, adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication that we spend time doing each one of those to help us structure our prayer. And those are good things, but that's all stuff that we've added. If you spend any amount of time in a growth group, you know that there are people who will come to the accountability time and say, like, I just... I really need to spend more time in prayer. I've been neglecting that. And so we know instinctively, we all know that this is something that we want to spend more time doing, that we want to get better at, that we want to communicate with God in more ways. But, but I think prayer is a very big topic. There's a lot of things, as we've already said, there's tons and tons of books and resources that are out there that help us. It's a broad topic that includes our praise to God, our adoration. It, it includes our confession of sin. We've taken communion on each of our campuses today, and I hope that you spent some time confessing sin and examining our lives as we lead through that time so that you confess some sin. That's, that's part of prayer. It includes thanksgiving to God. But I think what most of us think about when we talk about prayer is the, the concept of petition or supplication where I'm asking God for stuff. I'm asking God to work and to move in specific areas of my life for, for myself and for others. And so the question before us today is a really important one. If many of our prayers have to do with this idea of us asking God to work, asking God to move, the question really is, do my prayers do anything? Do my prayers accomplish anything? Do they, do they even matter? Why wouldn't I just sit back and accept God's sovereignty? I mean, he's at work already, so why in the world would I pray? Why would I ask for things? If God is in charge, if he's sovereign, do my prayers even matter? Do my prayers change the outcome? Does prayer actually change the outcome of our lives? We're going to be looking at Luke 11 today. So turn over in your Bibles to Luke 11 as we focus in on this idea, does my prayer change the outcome. 
And none of us wonders if we should pray. The disciples here in this text don't ask Jesus, should we pray? Instead, they implore Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray like you do. Teach us to pray. So the question before us really is, how are we to pray? If our prayers are going to make any difference, do they make any difference? And so how are we to pray? First, we pray with dependence. We pray with dependence. Let's see it in the text, Luke 11, beginning in verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he's continuing to to go away to a, a solitary place and spend time in prayer. And the disciples keep seeing this happen. Well, he's doing it again. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, again, not if, but when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. As they ask for a tutorial on how they're to pray, Jesus gives them this. We often call it the Lord's Prayer. It's actually, I think, better the disciples' prayer because Jesus tells them this is kind of how you should pray. So it's not necessarily the way that Jesus would always pray. It's the way that he's telling us to pray. Jesus had a practice of prayer, a regular time where he's going to God and here the disciples ask him to pray And all of this is not meant to be a routine. Jesus isn't saying, say these exact words every time you pray. Matthew, actually, when he is quoting this, he says, pray like this. Pray in this way. Pray these types of prayer. That's what Jesus is getting at. And what he's getting at is pray prayers of dependence. Pray with Dependence. Notice the areas in this text that we're to depend on God. First, Father, hallowed be your name. We, do, we are to recognize him as our Father and to desire that he is seen as holy here on earth, that he's treated that way. It, then he says, your kingdom come. He's a king, we're the subjects, and we desire to see his kingdom reigning here on earth in our midst. Then he says, give us each day our daily bread. Every single day that goes by, you and I are in desperate need of our Father to provide for us. Oh, you might feel like, you know, my bank account's doing fine right now, and I have all the things that I need, and everything's good right now. But every single day, every single breath that you have, You need the Father to continue to sustain you. And we forget that often, but Jesus here would call us back to that, to remind us every day we're in need of him for our provision. And he says, and forgive us of our sins, that you and I are sinners in need of forgiveness. And we get to the point in our walks as Christians, we've been following the Lord for a little while, and we oftentimes forget that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. It's why communion is so important for us, for us to take the time and remember what Jesus did for us, that he alone is our forgiveness. 
He alone causes us to be forgiven before the Father and to put us into right standing. And you and I need that today as much as we did the day that we came to Jesus. That we're sinners in need of forgiveness. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. We need protection from temptations in this life. From trials in this world. We need God's provision from all of that. And so Jesus calls us to prayer in this way, in a way that, that recognizes our dependence on God. Over and over throughout the Gospels, when Jesus is going to heal somebody, he continues to ask for what? He asks for faith for that person. Why? Because he wants to see their dependence and their trust in him. It's because faith and dependence are linked. We're to pray in faith, de declaring and displaying our trust and our dependence on God that we need you every single day. That's how we're supposed to pray. And he gives us these instructions so that we'll de be dependent on God as we pray. And yet, for so many of us, prayer has become such a ritual. I mean, some of us do this. We, we pray the sort of our, our Father who art in heaven like over and over and over as a ritual, as if saying those exact words will accomplish something magical. Hocus pocus poof, now you have it. And some of us have gotten into routine in our prayers anyway, and we would say, uh, Lord, thank you for this food and for all that you've done for, and we have like this, just this routine and we sort of say it without thinking. That's not what God is looking for. He's not looking for routine. He's looking for dependence. He's looking for you to come before him in authenticity and with dependence before him. He's not looking for you to say it exactly like this or it won't work. Like, has anyone else uh, gotten irritated with, with all of the, the requirements around your passwords for a login? Like, it's not like that, that you have to be exactly like this. It's got to be capitalized, and it's gotta, it has to be at least 10 characteristics. It's got to include numbers and letters and at least one element from the periodic table. And it can't be any of your previous 47 passwords. And, oh, just to make sure, it can't be anything that you would ever remember. <laughs> it's like I end up sitting before my computer like, it's me, let me in. It's not like that. We don't have to be so precise with all of these things. God doesn't care if you're precise in the word choice and, oh, that prayer sounded really pretty and it was exactly what I wanted. God wants your heart of dependence before him. Now, I'm not at all against written prayers. We write out prayers lots of times for our worship gatherings because it helps stir our hearts. It helps direct us. I actually love uh, books of written prayers, like The Valley of Vision, A Diary of Private Prayer, Every Moment Holy, The Book of Common Prayers. There are tons of them. And I think they're super helpful for us as a starting place, as a place to help frame our thoughts. And, and I think um, if you're anything like me, I, I get to the place where sometimes I sit down to pray and I'm like, there's... I'm a mess right now. I, I don't, don't even know where to start. And those things really help me. So I'm not against the, the written prayers like that, but I, I think that's, that's a beginning place. That's not the ending place. 
And that's not what God is looking for, for us to sort of just recite some incantation and suddenly we get what we want. It shouldn't be all that there is. God wants our hearts. God wants genuineness from you in prayer. He wants you to come before him as a child to a father and pray with authenticity and with dependence on your loving heavenly father. Parents, what is more uh, meaningful for you to get as a card? A professionally made card that's well written and it's got a nice little saying in it and they picked it out from the aisle at Target. What's more important to you? Something like this or something that's authentic, that's from your child? And, and, and maybe the, the spelling isn't right all the time. And, and maybe you're not sure what that word is. But, but I'm telling you, if, if you're a parent, you know the authenticity, the genuineness is worth way more to you than the words that are spelled right or the, the ink that is just within the lines or all of those specific things. God wants our authentic, authenticity and he wants our dependence on him as our heavenly father. Matthew 6, 8 would tell us your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Like God knows what you're bringing to him in prayer, but he wants you to ask him. He still says, call to me and I'll answer you. He still wants you to come before him as a child to a, a parent and say, God, I need you. And my life is a mess right now and I don't know what's going on in this situation and I don't know what to do here and I don't see a way forward. God, please provide for me today. God wants those types of prayers. He, he wants us to have authenticity before him. And I'm telling you, there's incredible freedom in that place of prayer. When you can feel like I don't have to say all the right words, I don't have to press anybody, it doesn't have to be a specific way, it doesn't have to sound right, it doesn't have to, like maybe you shouldn't swear in your prayers, that's kind of like a weird thing to me, but I don't know, but be authentic to the Lord. There's, there's a freedom of that, like a child with their daddy, like help me. God wants that, he wants there to be a freedom in the way that we approach him. In, in, in fact, let's pray again right now. Okay, now don't get mad at me. We're not actually gonna pray together right now. Um, what did every one of you do when I said, let's pray? M most of us closed our eyes and we bowed our head. Now, why do we do that? Why do we bow our head in prayer? I mean, most of us just do it instinctively. It's like, oh, oh that's what we're doing. Okay, great, great. So we, we bow our head or, or we kneel in prayer because of that. Every single person does that. And we do that to show our reverence for God. We do that because he's the king and we're the subjects. We do that because he is perfect and holy and righteous and lifted up and I am not and so I am down here bowing down. It's, it's a physical posture that shows my dependence on the Lord, my reverence towards him. And God would desire that we would do that not just with our eyes or our head or our knees, but that we would do that with our hearts, that our hearts would be given over in reverence, in dependence to God. So when you pray, pray with dependence. And secondly, pray with persistence. 
Pray with persistence. Jesus continues to teach his disciples here how to pray. And he says, Luke 11, beginning in verse five, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. This word, impudence, is not a word that we use very often, but it's a word that means persistence. It means boldness. It means I have no other option. And I'm persisting in asking you that. Jesus tells a parable here about that. He also tells another parable Uh, Flip over in your Bible, keep your thumb there in in Luke 11 because we're coming back to it, but we're gonna look at Luke 18. So flip over just a couple of pages. Jesus tells another parable about this same word, about this same idea of persistence. Now, I am uh, not the sharpest knife in the drawer and I love it when uh, scripture writers tell us exactly what they're trying to say. It's one one of the reasons I love the book of 1 John because over and over and over, he's like, I have written this so that... Okay, great, I can get on that. So I love this. Jesus, uh, Luke here is telling us exactly why Jesus tells this parable. And he told them a parable to the effect that, why did he tell them this parable? They ought always to pray and not lose heart. Great, so that's what we're going for. Always praying, not losing heart. Persistence in prayer. And he said, a certain, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I, this is hilarious to me, he's saying to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night, who persist in prayer? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? We're told to call out with persistence with boldness, with impudence. Do you call out to God that way? God, I have no other option. God, you you need to answer me here. I need you to work in this situation. If you don't come to my rescue, I have nothing. That's how God desires that we call out to him. Do you cry out to God that way? When he would say, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and hidden things that you have not known, are you calling out to God in a persistent way? And if not, what keeps us from calling out with persistent boldness before the Lord? Two things. Either you don't believe that you really have a need. I mean, I've got things under control. Yes, of course, I need the Lord. We would sing that, so I need you every hour, every hour I need you. Yeah, I I, I know, I, I, I need the Lord. But I mean, really, have you seen my 401k? Everything's fine. We're doing good. Everybody's healthy. We're good. You believe that you don't actually 
need the Lord. I, I've, I've got it. It's either you believe you don't, you are not in need, or you believe that calling out to God won't make any difference. You see, we pray very little because we believe very little will happen in prayer. And that's very true of some of us. That we, we yes, I, I know that God wants us to pray, but but really, is, is it going to make any difference? Why does the Lord want us to cry out with persistence? Why wouldn't he just answer right away? One time. Great. Yep. You're at the drive-thru. You give your order. Here's your Big Mac. Just immediate. Why wouldn't God do that? Why does he want us to call out with persistence? Because he tells two parables about it when we're talking about prayer. He wants us to call out with persistence because it draws us to greater dependence on the Lord. What does it do? It grows our faith. That's what he's after in you and in me. That's why he delays. That's why he wants you to persist in prayer so that your faith will be grown, so that you will grow in your dependence on him. Sometimes the Lord is preparing you for what he's going to do already, but he wants you to be ready to receive that. God is going to provide for your finances, but maybe he first wants you to learn to spend less than you make. God is going to provide for your finances, but maybe he's going to use people around you to help with that so that you learn not to be self-reliant. I don't know all of the things that God is going to do in that season of waiting, but what I can tell you is for us as believers, the waiting is never wasted. That God always uses that waiting to grow our faith. So pray with persistence. It's clear from two parables and many verses that Jesus gives us that we are to pray with persistent boldness. Now I know, I know. Some of you have been praying for something specific for a long time. And God, I just don't see any movement. Take these parables to heart. Keep praying with persistence. It grows your faith. And some of you have been praying for something for a really long time and not seen any movement at all and you've, you've given up. Come back with persistence do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Don't give up calling out to the Lord. Pray with persistence. And then third, pray with expectation. Back to our text, flip back over where your thumb is in Luke 11, verse nine. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And to the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion? See, God wants us to call out to him with expectation. There's an expectation that God is going to answer this prayer. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. He's telling us, expect that you will receive the answer to your prayers. 
James 4, 2 and following says, you do not have because you do not ask. Now, some of us have some further questions about this. If God's completely in control, if he's all-knowing, if he's already determined what will happen, he knows all of my days before I've ever been born. So how will my prayers actually affect the outcome? Will they even change anything? Well, a couple of passages, I think, that help us with that. Exodus 32, um, where the people of Israel, Moses goes up on the mountain, and the, he's gone for a while, and the people of Israel are like, ah, I don't know what happened to Moses. Uh, let's make a calf and bow, bow down and worship it instead. And so that's what the people do. They, they fashion this golden calf, and they bow down, and they start worshiping it, and they say, this is our God, and they're down uh, in the valley, and Moses is up on the mountain with God, and God is the one who actually tells Moses that these People, my goodness, they've made a golden calf and they're bowing down. And essentially what God says to Moses is, move out of the way, I'm wiping these people out. He says, I'm gonna destroy them for their sin, for all that they've done. I've done so much for them. I've been so faithful to them and I've brought this, them to this point and led them out and this is how they repay me? This is how they act after all of that? Moses, I'm wiping them out and I'm starting over with you. I'm gonna fulfill all my promises, but through you. And these people, they're toast. And Moses, what does he do? He goes to God and he says, no, 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 God, please don't. He implores the Lord. He prays to God on behalf of the people. They don't even know that it's happening. They're still on their knees and their faces before this golden calf, worshiping this calf as their God. And Moses calls out to God, he says, God, remember all that you've done and how you've brought this people out and I want your name to be lifted high. I don't want the people of the land saying, look what God did and he just brought them out to wipe them out. God, please don't do it. Please, please turn. Please change your mind. And it says that God relents of the disaster that he was going to do. He says, okay, Moses, because you've prayed for these people, I won't wipe them out. And God doesn't wipe them out. Or Jonah. We studied Jonah recently. The people of Nineveh. Jonah goes through and has this begrudging sermon. It's like the worst sermon ever. Nineveh's gonna get destroyed. That's basically all he says. He tells them, the whole place, it's going down. God's wiping you all out. And what happens is the people of Nineveh turn to the Lord. The, the king is like, God said he was going to wipe us out, but who, who knows? Maybe God will relent. So sackcloth and ashes, and they all repent and all pray to the Lord. Lord, forgive us. Please, please turn, God. Please, please turn. And then Jonah 3.10 happened. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. God relented. God changed because of what the people did, because of their prayers. God changed his mind as far as we can tell. So do prayers have an outcome in things? You bet you they do, because those people would all be dead. It would have been wiped out in a moment. The people of Israel would have been wiped out there before Moses and a, a new people started from him. But God answered these 
prayers. There are far too many scriptures to ignore the fact that God answers prayers and does work and does relent. And every single time that we see in scripture when prayers change something, every time it's movement with God being more gracious and more compassion towards his people. So when you and I pray for grace, when you and I pray for God to work good in our lives, for him to have compassion on people, these are prayers that God answers. Now, my brain is far too small to understand how the sovereignty of God can work with the the reality of our prayers. But both of these things are true in Scripture. We see this paradox, and these things are working. And if, if you doubt for a moment that God works in prayer, you are sitting around people on every one of our campuses who've seen God change things. In fact, if you have prayed for a specific situation, and you have seen God work in a way that you're like, that could have only been God. Raise your hand right now on every campus. Raise your hand. Now, if you are doubting that God works in prayer, just look around and see those hands. See the countless people around you who have seen without a doubt God work in their lives. There was going to be destruction, and I prayed, and God brought compassion. It happens every day because we pray. So God is sovereign and he's working his secret will as we talked about last week. He's working all things to the purpose of his will, but he's using your prayers to do that. So pray with persistence and pray with expectation that God is going to move and he will move. You know, this September we're celebrating 35 years as a church. We're amazed at the things that we've seen God do throughout the years. We've had buildings given to us because we prayed. We've seen God protect us in difficult seasons because we prayed. We've seen the Lord provide in seasons that we didn't see a way forward because we prayed. We've seen addictions broken. Because we prayed. We've seen marriages restored because we prayed. We've seen prodigals come home because we prayed. We've seen people healed because we prayed. All because we called out to him to show us great and mighty things that we have not known. And we've seen God do it. Lest we forget his faithfulness to us. His, our prayers to him change things. And we've seen it. And more than any of those things that I've listed, we have seen people turn from the darkness of their sin to the light that's found only in Jesus Christ because we prayed. Every single one of the baptistry tanks on every single one of our campuses has had water in it as we've baptized people who've turned from their sins and trusted Jesus Christ by faith because of prayer. Because someone was praying for that person. You better believe that God works when we pray. So pray with expectation. We've learned to pray with expectation that God is going to move. And finally, pray and encounter his presence. He ends this passage, Jesus does, Helps if I use the right side of the pen. 
Jesus ends this passage by saying, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Listen, if we're evil and we know how to give good gifts, how much more would our heavenly father give, give good gifts? Now, you, you would think, this is a little confusing to me when I read this. Like I'm going along in the passage and you get to this spot and, and I would think that it would say, um, if you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give what? Good gifts to his kids. And in fact, in, in, uh, in Matthew 7, he does say that. He does say, how much more will our father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him, but here it, it says our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask it. Where did that come from? Because that seems totally out of place in this passage. Why in the world would he say the Holy Spirit? Well, as he's been walking through, telling us that we need to pray with dependence and, and expectation and persistence as we call out to God, he's ending all of this by saying the best gift that you get in all of it. Yes, God answers prayer. Yes, God will move in all of it and you should expect it. But the best thing that you ever get in prayer is God's presence. So pray and encounter his presence. God always answers our prayers. Many, many, many times he answers with a yes. You saw the hands go up of all of those yeses that God has given in prayer. You ask for healing and he heals you ask for provision and God provides. You ask for wisdom and he showers it upon you. And sometimes God says, wait. Again, often God wants us to persist in our prayer and wait on him till his purposes can play out in his timing. And believe me, it is always slower than what you and I want. We want a yes right now. But oftentimes God says, wait, before he answers those. And sometimes... I have found not as often, but sometimes God says no. God told Paul no when he asked for his thorn in the flesh to be removed three times. And God said, no, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul, Paul the answer is no, but, but I have a plan for the no. There's a very specific reason that it has to be no for my purposes to work out. I, I have better plans for you and for the future that involve using that hardship, involve using this no for my glory and for your good. It's hard to get a no. You prayed to keep your job and God said no. You prayed for health and God said, no. You prayed for circumstances to change, and, and God said, no. And if he said, no, then he, he also said, my grace is sufficient, and my presence is with you. I want to go to another passage, Matthew 26. It's somewhat familiar to many of us. Then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. 
And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. Notice what he prays this time. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus is in the garden hours before he will be crucified brutally for your sin and for mine. And he's praying and he gets a no. Notice the progression of Jesus' prayers. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. God, if there's, if there's any way that you can work in this, if it's possible at all, please take this away. But your will be done, Lord. I'm submitting in reverence and dependence to you. Please, 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 God, take it away. But if you can't, notice then he says, my father, if this can't pass unless I drink it, your will be done. You can see Jesus start to realize that he's getting a no. If this is the only way, Lord, okay. Praise that again. And then you see that he ends this whole account with a full acceptance that he got a no. Rise. My betrayer's coming right now. I'm not hours away. I'm minutes away from the pain. And Jesus willingly steps in to the no because he knows that grace is sufficient for him. He knows that God is working and it is the only way is that no? Last verse for today. Hebrews 5, speaking of Jesus, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and with tears. Jesus is in the garden crying out with volume, with tears of blood coming down his face. He cries out with loud cries and tears to him who was able. Could God have done that? Could God have taken the cup away from Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But it was the only way for your salvation and for mine. And so God said no. He was able to save him from death, but he was heard because of his reverence, because of his dependence on God, the Father. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. You see, prayer got to the point, even though he got a no. 
Prayer brings dependence. It brings a display of our reverence before the Lord. It stirs our faith. And we see Jesus's obedience even when he could have chosen something different. Our prayers can affect the outcome, but more than anything else, the answer to our prayers is a closeness with the Father. It's understanding his ways. So we should pray specifically, but no matter the outcome, we we draw near to the Father because we're drawn in a relationship with him. The greatest thing that we get out of prayer is a closeness to the Father. So whether he specifically answers your prayer with a yes or a wait or a no, what we get is an intimacy with the Father through it all. We draw near as we pray expectantly. And I want us to close our time and all of our gatherings this morning with a time of prayer. I mean it this time. I'm not kidding. We're going to pray in each of our worship centers. We're going to pray out loud. And this isn't like, I'm going to give you 15 seconds to pray. We've allocated several minutes for you to spend time praying. If you want to get in groups of three people, maybe if you came with another person and the two of you want to pray together, if you feel uncomfortable, maybe somebody will will graft you into their group, or or if not, if you want to pray on your own, that's fine. But I want us to pray, as Jesus did, with loud cries. He says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and hidden things. Call out, cry out. There should be a volume to our prayers that show our dependence and our persistence. Now, I don't have a list of things to pray for. You know the things to pray for in your life. If something's near and dear to your heart, something's um, keeping you up at night and you wanna pray that right now, pray that out loud. If not, pray prayers of dependence, pray prayers of worship to the Lord. Allow the spirit to lead you with that. But we're going to pray for several minutes and then pastor, uh, campus pastor or your host will come up and uh, we'll close in prayer in just a moment. But we're going to pray prayers of dependence. We're going to pray prayers of persistence. We're gonna pray prayers of expectation and we're going to pray and we're going to encounter his spirit. And I believe by faith that we are going to see prayers answered this week because of our prayer time together right now. So let's pray with expectation to the Lord. Pray right now. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. For more information and how to get connected to one of our campuses, go to harvestbible.org. Tune in again next week for another edition of the Harvest Bible Chapel podcast.